You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal. Every week, myself and my co-host, Dr. Mike, bring you the information that doctors talk about in doctor's lounges all around the country and share that information with you so you're armed with the information that you need so that you can advocate for yourself and for your family and be armed with the information to make medical decisions that uh, you are capable of making with that information. And we fight for the doctor-patient relationship and for health care freedom for all Americans. This show is supported by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led health care think tank in the country. Our website is www.d, the number four, pcfoundation.org. That's wwwd 4 pcfoundation.org. We need your help. We need your support so that we can do this show and continue to do the work that is required so that we can uh, continue to fight the fight that is uh, an ongoing fight. It never ends. And and, uh, right now we're seeing this play out once again. Every election cycle, we see health care information out there. It falls into the background and then it resurfaces because it truly is the most important issue uh, regardless of what other issues may come up. Healthcare affects every single one of us and everybody out there is going to be a patient at some point if you're not already. So so get engaged, go to our website, see what uh, we're doing and, uh, and uh, be part of the fight. So... Um, Recently, um, you've heard me talk about uh, the uh, trip that I made to Washington, D.C. for the executive order signing on health care price transparency and uh, direct primary care with uh, um, uh, uh, and um, the uh, use of uh, health care savings accounts and health reimbursement arrangements for you for uh, paying for those. And and I met a number of people. um, old friends and uh, new people, new friends now, and I had the opportunity to uh, spend some time um, outside of Washington with our guest today, who uh, is a uh, very, very engaged woman in healthcare. Um, her name is Cynthia Fisher. She is the founder of PatientRightsAdvocate.org and uh, has been involved in healthcare for quite some time as the uh, founder and CEO of Viacord, which is an uh, umbilical cord blood cell, but blood stem cell banking service um, that uh, uh, was uh, started in the uh, early 90s. And she's stayed involved and uh, engaged in healthcare uh, through the years and now is uh, really devoting all of her uh, time uh, to uh, working at trying to uh, uh, make healthcare pricing more transparent and fight for patients uh, and uh, and the uh, um, and, and uh, try to preserve their healthcare uh, rights. So, so Cynthia, welcome into the doctor's lounge this morning. Thank you, Hal. It's a, a pleasure to be here today. 
and an honor. Thank well, you. Well, thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, um, all, a whole array of health care topics uh, um, each week, and uh, we, we uh, really uh, have a, a very wide reach, and, and not only to health care professionals, but to the lay public. And so we really uh, uh, try to give everybody a, an understanding of what the issues are and, and uh, the, the, the hot-button items and, and what is happening and, and what people can do and to try to get engaged. And I think what you're doing right now is so very important regarding um, health care price transparency. So why don't you um, go ahead and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing and what uh, what the uh, you're, you're you're in Washington all the time talking to people about um, price transparency in healthcare. So so why don't you uh, um, let let everybody know what what the issues are that that you're on? Thank you, Hal. Yes, um, uh, I am in Washington as we speak, and uh, it's been an opportunity to see democracy at work where. Uh, people like yourself, Hal, have a voice, and uh, I as well. We we have as citizens and as patriots to bring our voice forward to affect change. And um, I was inspired to come to Washington um, because having been throughout my career uh, in the life sciences and healthcare, first in health IT, then in device, and then in my own company that I founded in blood stem cells, and then as an investor in biotech and, and in the life sciences over the years, um, I've come to understand the healthcare system. But as a life sciences CEO and entrepreneur, I also, as a friend and family member, uh, helped people along the way find access to the best of doctors or appropriate doctors for care when they faced a healthcare crisis. And what was most shocking to me in the past five years, especially, was that um, the, the requests that came on the side from employees or former employees, uh, friends and family alike, had more to do with uh, significant financial burden and medical debt and surprise billings or price gouging and fear of actually going to the doctor or the next hospitalization um, due to financial ruin from health care. And um, it was cross-socioeconomic experience uh, where I started finding that, oh my gosh, everyone has a story about how they've been either surprised by a way overpriced or price couch medical charge or a surprise facility fees or out-of-network anesthesiologist or pathologist or neonatologist with a substantial financial burden that um, they couldn't cover uh, and, and put them in great stress. So um, I thought there was a moment in time where these stories taking them to Washington uh, and also looking at how we can affect change uh, at a moment in time where you know, 70% of Americans see healthcare as one of the number one problems that needs to be addressed uh, in policy change and in government. Um, and uh, I think the statistics are that 57% of Americans have been hit with bills that have not been covered by their insurance because uh, their insurance uh, networks have been more narrowed. 
that said, um, um, I came to Washington. I founded a nonprofit called PatientRightsAdvocate.org to bring patient stories and employer stories to Washington of what the reality is uh, that's happening around our country. And uh, the reality is that only in American healthcare is the American public and our American businesses held hostage and blindfold to know the real prices of our care before we receive care. We don't get to see them. Uh, and today we have no negotiating power and no recourse um, uh, at the prices we are charged. And in fact, when a patient goes to get their health care, um, they're expected to pay with a blank check. And um, that's a problem, How? And so, uh, fortunately, the administration, both the President and um, Secretary Azar and Seema Verma and um, former Secretary Acosta at Department of Labor, were looking at these problems to say, how do we reduce the cost of care that are runaway costs, and how do we address these issues? And um, we, with, through patient rights, also um, were able to have a voice at the table and look at existing law uh, and look at how can the administration deliver real price transparency system-wide and create a competitive marketplace in healthcare. Why can't healthcare function like any other market in our lives? And if you think about it, what the recent executive order that the president and the administration has just put forth and the most recent rulemaking for hospitals to show their negotiated pricing is um, game-changing. It's, it's really an American revolution to deliver a competitive marketplace in healthcare. And if we now as patients can actually see these prices before we get care, we can be empowered to be able to make choices and decisions uh, to shop to shop for the best quality of care at the lowest possible price. And that, how, gives us the ability as patients to greatly drive down the cost of not only our care, but ultimately our coverage as well. So, Cynthia, you know, this is, this. I agree, this is a game-changing event. And unfortunately, um, we have seen so many of the executive orders um, neutered by the courts. We, we a few weeks prior to this executive order that we were both at, there was an executive order on um, on uh, price transparency in the pharmaceutical industry. And the pharmaceutical industry um, pushed back, and they uh, uh, they waged a a battle in the courts, and they got a a, a, a judge who. Uh, is uh, a um, an adversary of of whatever you know. There's there's enough adversaries of whatever President Trump is doing to to try to block everything that he comes out with. So, um, what do you anticipate will be um, the the uh, the response in the courts to to this effort? Well. You know, I, I do believe that uh, you know, you got to look at where does the problem lie, and the the you know there there probably will be battles in the courts, but the reality is 
that uh, the consumers deserve a functional system. You know, we know that healthcare is broken, and it's broken because of the many, many layers of uh, curtains of opacity from uh, consumers being empowered with information. They're not today. And um, the court, um, the First Amendment, if you look at how the court has weighed on freedom of speech and freedom of information, has overall weighed in favor of consumers being informed. Um, and you can take the precedent, how of the financial services industry um, and the fiduciary uh, law of employers um, having uh, the tax advantage funds of the 401ks for the retirement plans and um, how the courts had looked at um, the fee structures had been opaque and had been undiscoverable. And several of these funds had been mismanaged and overcharged and overpriced at the expense of the employees. So there were several lawsuits in courts looking for transparency um, in, in the financial services sector. And this also happened in the derivatives market. And what actually played out is uh, financial services fees had to be made transparent so that the consumer uh, could be informed and could shop. And then the financial services industry has competed on performance and value and innovation. And in fact, we've seen how fee compression, now that there's transparency, uh, and the fee reduction in prices um, has benefited um, uh, industry, uh, employers alike, but ultimately the consumer wins. Absolutely. Uh, and I think this precedent is a good one to look at as a comparative for how um, the same can happen in healthcare, right? Uh, and that the First Amendment also looks for freedom of information and um, freedom of knowledge. So, so Cynthia, we're right up against a hard break. So, um, we'll pick this up when we get back into the doctor's lounge. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business practices, and fascinating business professionals to get an insider view of how America works. The Business Hour, from 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
We're back in the doctor's lounge, and I uh, want to remind everyone that we are podcasting this also on our Facebook page. The Facebook page is um, the America's Web Radio, so uh, hopefully um, some people are watching this live on, uh, on our Facebook and also on YouTube. Um, so uh, don't forget to uh, uh, tune into that on, on a regular basis as well as listening to this on your radio. Um, my guest today is Cynthia Fisher, who is the founder of patientrightsadvocate.org. She's also on the board of uh, Sam Adams. And uh, maybe, Cynthia, we can get Sam Adams to sponsor this show at some point. Well, you know, we can always ask. Uh, you know, I'd I, I, I use the bottle opener and pop open a bottle had I known. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would love to have you. So, so um, the we we um, left off talking about um, the executive order signing and what a what a game changer it is, and so much of what President Trump has done already has been challenged by um, special interests. The special interests that you have alluded to that have created the layers between um, patients and doctors and their pocketbooks. And um, they, the um, special interests we highlight on a regular basis on this show, the insurance companies being one of them, the hospital industry, who've benefited um, uh, disproportionately from, from, um, from the health care system and uh, created these, these cathedrals to health care um, and paid and paid. CEOs and middle managers far beyond you know what what they really um, should be making um, uh, given what they do and and um, and the uh, pharmaceutical industry and the PBMs the the middlemen between the drug companies and patients so we've got all of these special interests that have a stake in the status quo and uh, and are pushing back hard. Um, Cynthia, you and I have talked about what the, you know the the uh, the the strategy needs to be. There's you know I've a, a very good friend of mine who's um, who's quite good at uh, at at uh, these kinds of things. Said that there's strategy and then there's tactics, and I think the strategy that we have agreed on is that patients are an important part of this, but you need to have the the uh, clout of the um, of the business world who carries that big stick who could stand up to these other special interests. What say you? Yes, I, I, I think you're absolutely right there that how, um, you know, as you look at this, you, um, you have to look at patients are, are really fed up with the health care system capitalizing on their misfortune. And as you said, it's, it's payers, it's providers, it's the insurers, it's the providers, and it's the many, many layers of middlemen that hold both the consumers and the employers hostage um, to these runaway costs. And if we can look at the employer's side and to the patient's side, let's look at what's been happening. Um, the runaway cost of just even health care coverage for small, medium, and large insurers alike 
if you're a small to medium-sized employer, excuse me, employer, you've been experience, they've been experiencing over the past uh, five to eight years nearly runaway increases of the health care coverage, whether it's premiums or whether they're self-insured, um, nearly 8 to 11 percent a year. Of that 8 to 11 percent increase, and that is well above the increases of inflationary rates, right? It's probably four times that of three to four times that of inflation. And it's well above uh, increases of cost and expense beyond um, merit raises in businesses. So many employers have, you've seen that wages have pretty much stagnated. They haven't been able to increase to the rate that they could because a big part of that employee sector of their wages is their um, health care benefit. And with that type of growth, it's difficult for employers to um, substantially raise wages. But we can look at basically putting this whole trend into reverse through transparency, through price transparency, through choice, through competitive marketplace. And in fact, how uh, several throughout uh, our country, we've interviewed several really innovative employers that basically cut out the layers of middlemen, cut out the insurers, and as self-employed insurers, chose to go with innovative surgical centers where doctors uh, of these centers are price transparent, as well as through direct primary care price transparent providers. And they have really driven down those costs, put that trend in reverse, and nearly had savings with early adoption of these programs by their employees of up to 50%. That's huge. Yeah. That's basically put on the brakes of these trends and through a price transparent model that they've self-created through innovation, um, they've actually uh, steered, you know, through steerage of their employees to these types of programs. They've actually enabled employees to go with no copay, no deductible, and actually bonuses to them for making price uh, transparent cost-saving decisions, they've shared the savings with the employees, essentially increasing their wages. This is huge, and this can be the future. And I think it's really exciting how, because I think we can start to see this trend happen and begin in a broader way as early as uh, by the end of 2020. Well, I agree that this is huge, and I think that <clears throat> what I was getting at was I think that that's... that's um, you know, we're, we're all in agreement that this is where we need to head. What I'm concerned about is the pushback. And I think that having the business community stand together and demand that, uh, that the, um, that price transparency take place and that, that, uh, the, because there'll be a, a, a huge effort that is going to be, uh, launched by, by hospitals who say that this is going to raise prices. We've already seen that happen. We're going to see a big effort by the insurance companies who are going to push back and are going to um, – we've, we've seen that happen as well in, in direct primary care where they try to squash 
doctors who are um, operating um, outside of the insurance world and try to claim that that's a risk-bearing model when, in fact, it really is just a simple transaction between a patient and a doctor with no risk involved. And so there's, there's a, as, we've, as we've seen happen so often, there is a narrative that is based on lies that, that uh, are designed to, um, to stoke fear. And I think that, that the special interests that have profited um, uh, from, from uh, the, the status quo are, are going to do everything they can to prevent this revolution that, that you've um, um, mentioned. And, and I think that the business community is the best bet. You know, patients are important. Patients demand, can make demands on their politicians. <clears throat> and the, the physician community can demand this. But at the end of the day, I think it's the business community who has the clout and who has the, the money. They... they um, 180 million people get their insurance through employers. And so I think that that's really the tactics that need to be employed. Would you agree? Absolutely, Hal. I mean, look at where we are today. Okay, this this intentionally opaque, undiscoverable, discontinuous, hidden healthcare pricing and gouging across the system, it's affecting employees' wages, it, the consumers' wallets, savings, it affects their personal debt, and ultimately, we're talking multiple generations. This is affecting family legacy. And if you look at it from a business perspective, today's burden of uh, these runaway healthcare spending costs are suppressing corporate earnings. They're dampening business growth. And uh, it multiplicatively adds to our deficit and jeopardizes our U.S. economy. I mean, we're right now at nearly 18% of our gross domestic product being spent on health care. And that's projected to move to 25% of gross domestic product if it doesn't change. That being the case would be one in five of the American dollars spent on health care. And we can reverse that trend, and it will take a major wake-up call for employers to let them know that they have the power. Uh, to uh, be at the table and a huge voice at the table to uh, reverse this trend using innovative models like we saw from some of these early um, movers, uh, self-employed insurers, that are changing the game. Let me give you an example of, of a business, you know, what we see in, in, in Boston, for instance. Um, Boston has a, a certificate of need, anti-competitive, practices where these uh, surgical centers uh, uh, are restricted from opening up due to state state laws to prevent more competition. That's a problem. Uh, the administration will need to address that because 35 states in this country have some barriers to entry to allow for broader competition. And I do know the administration is looking at attacking that. But getting around that are clever employers that have actually looked at the real data what's it cost to have a baby a normal healthy birth in 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 the boston area well you know we have quality docs uh, we're fortunate uh in in massachusetts and to have quality docs and options where the quality is about the same but at one hospital in boston 
you can have a child, and the real data is a $7,000 charge from that hospital for a normal, healthy birth. The same insurer in that database has agreed to pay another hospital nearly uh, uh, a tee shot away, you know, very nearby hospital, <laughs> um, $42,000 How for a normal, healthy birth. That's a huge spread. Well, that's, that's insane. A price variation for services. And you have to ask why would the power of a large hospital system get to charge egregiously more for a normal, healthy birth? Well, you know, in, in, innovative employers in Massachusetts have said, hey, through our employee handbook, should you choose to save yourself and our company uh, by going to the hospital that provides for $7,000, we'll provide uh, $1,000 plus diapers and wipes for a year, and here's your Amazon um, credit card to buy what you need to support mm-hmm. um your child over the next two years, right? And that's huge. That that's that's money in the employee's pocket, and it's ultimately going to drive down the cost of their health care coverage. Most employees share that coverage expense mm-hmm. as part of their wages. About thirty percent is paid directly from the employee. Seventy percent the employer in many cases. Right. So if you're able to reverse that trend on coverage, it's going to be huge. Oh yeah. And this is what can happen throughout the country. And I think. But how? Go ahead. I, I go back to your other question. You, you know, before you before you go into the other question, we're on a hard break. So hold okay. that, and we'll we'll start the 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 next segment with your answer. So welcome. Stay with us in, on uh, the, in the doctor's lounge on America's Web Radio. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to The Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back with my guest, Cynthia Fisher, and uh, sorry to cut you off mid-sentence, Cynthia, so you were going to answer the question that I had asked about uh, business. Yes, so, you know, business is is, um, a great place for us to start to turn around these trends and welcome the opportunity that the administration is uh, deploying uh, that by 2020 we should start to see these prices and both employers and uh, employees, the patient consumer, are going to be able to shop. 
And once we can shop, uh, you know, we can deal with seeing the differences of this huge price variation for similar services in healthcare. And um, even if there's a geography that seems to have uh, limited choices, um, you know, an hour's drive or two hours drive or one hour flight uh, that can save the cost of, you know, one-sixth or one-eighth of what it would be otherwise, we know employers that are actually buying first-class airline tickets, putting up spouses and the employee in a hotel to get a rotator cuff surgery at one-eighth of the cost mm -hmm. uh, than it would be in their own local geography. Right. Why? Because it saved tens of thousands of dollars. And ultimately, that's money in the employee's pocket and to the employer's bottom line. Absolutely. I'm on the same page as far as that's concerned. And that's what we've done here in Atlanta with um, with Hip Nation, and we've we've tried to get around the certificate of need laws <clears throat> because in Georgia they're they're onerous, and we can't open up a a surgery center that uh, can compete with the hospital, but we can do it on a single specialty basis. So we've gotten around those laws by creating a virtual multi-specialty surgery center because single specialties can operate a, uh, a surgery center in a practice. And so if you can put them together virtually, we've basically done what, uh, what Keith Smith has done in Oklahoma um, virtually instead of under one roof. So there are innovative ways to help save employers dollars. And, and I think that we're going to see uh, this trend move very quickly um, especially with some of the um, some of the uh, um, uh, the ideas, some of the some of the uh, uh, policy moves that the Trump administration has uh, has uh, already done and what they plan to do. Cynthia, I'd like you to um, share with everyone. Um, let me first say, um, if if you are a patient and you are concerned about prices. Um, getting out of control in healthcare and want to um, be part of this movement, um, you can uh, go to the um, the website that uh, that Cynthia Fisher's uh, of her group, which is PatientRightsAdvocate.org, and on there there are um, videos and there are stories and there are ways that you can get involved. And um, Cynthia, when you and I were were uh, uh, spent a few days together, and we were chatting about uh, some of the some of the work that you've done, and you showed me some of the videos. There was a compelling story about one um, woman who has a a uh, heart wrenching case, Wanda. Would you? And I think this is one of the reasons that uh, one of the issues that has drawn you into this fight, if I'm not mistaken. So, so can you uh, can you share that with everyone? Uh, sure, Hal. Um, Wanda, uh, uh, we met uh, in, by going to a courthouse in Fredericksburg, Virginia, home of our president, uh, George Washington, and the nearby hospital, Mary Washington Hospital, was named after his mother. And um, Dr. Marty Macri of Johns Hopkins Hospital, as you know, has been really uh, an advocate for uh, exposing some of the brokenness of the 
healthcare system, and he has a new book out called The Price We Pay, uh, which really shines a light on some of the egregious things that are happening and to patients uh, around the country and um, solutions to some of those problems. But we went to uh, the courthouse together and uh, met Wanda there, who um, uh, essentially was uh, a nurse uh, uh, as a healthcare nurse's aide in a retirement center and um, was actually sued by the very hospital for medical debt. Now, today, you know, Wanda's insured. She uh, is a hardworking woman, was working 16-hour shifts, and uh, after several days of 16-hour shifts, was fatigued and didn't want to go to the ER, but her work made her go to the emergency room. Uh, And there she was run a whole series of tests, and even after negative MRIs was worked up for stroke, even though she didn't have a stroke. And she ended up... um, with medical debt uh, out out of network and, and overcharges of nearly $8,000, uh, which is absolutely devastating. And the sad part is, is that those court dates and that billing came over months, right? And it came into pieces by snail mail. And each one of those pieces was a separate day in court, every fragment of every bill. And each one had a $75 court fee per. And um, the exposure to all of these different patients having no recourse, no able, no ability to have representation, it was really lopsided and one-sided. Where the hospital had its lawyers and it has billing people and the judge. Um, and just that day in court, the courthouse itself made thirty thousand dollars on court fees on suing patients. So this is one story, and this is happening in states throughout our country. Uh, Tennessee being another, uh, New Mexico being another. But I think the, the, the other part that brought us with patient rights to expose what was really happening and what initially brought me to Washington was really um, a handyman who is a dear friend and worked uh, with me for 26 years, self-employed, uh, had seen as a small business owner his health insurance go from uh, – over double, nearly triple. So he's now paying 26000 a year just for insurance. And then for his family of three, $2,000 deductible per. So he's at $32,000 before he gets his first uh, uh, benefit of health care uh, payment. 32000 just for insurance and deductible. And he was slammed with an out-of-network surprise anesthesiology bill, pathology bill for um, uh, a procedure in his family uh, that was a, a, an elective uh, well visit on a, on a colonoscopy, and uh, that really set them back. Those 6,000 extra in charges, uh, out-of-network, not covered, uh, was really devastating. And then he got MS. And he goes, he's on a vid, he's on our website, he's on our videos, and he talks about just being slammed with all sorts of surprises of billings and even going to collections uh, at the charge master rate uh, while the insurance delay payment was there. So taking his story and being appalled by it, and then people around, even even my parents' own uh, direct primary care doctor had surprise billing that. Uh, he's in the videos as well, and um, prenatal pregnancy tests being for genetics 
uh, another one of our videos uh, talks about being charged nearly $18,000 for a prenatal test, a uh, genetics test, when you can get your whole genome uh, for less than 800 So these types of stories are, are really what motivated patient rights advocates to put together these stories and show them to the administration, show them to Congress, show them to the president himself. And, um, you know, the president and uh, the administration invited many of these people in to sit at the table and inform them. And that's why we are where we are today, because there were a lot of listening sessions to both physicians like you, Hal, and your group, and others at what needs to be done. And the answer is quite simple. It really is if we have a competitive marketplace and it functions like grocery, like transportation, like retail, any other market, we can actually, through choice, through empowerment of the consumer, we can see a race to the bottom to the best price quality of care at the lowest possible price. And it's innovators like you that have gotten around the barriers in Georgia that are making the impact. And you mentioned Keith Smith. Keith Smith, Dr. Keith Smith, like you, 11 years ago, Keith went with a price transparent model in Oklahoma Surgical to do a surgical center. Do you know, In we have him and his center on video, and how maybe we need to come to Georgia and, and, and video your stories as well. But do you know that over the 11 years that Keith and his surgeons have practiced, they've posted their prices, they guarantee their prices, they reinsure their prices, and guess what? If someone has a need and they can't pay, they do charity care as well. Mm -hmm. So right. they, they absorb those, and they still make a profit. And they're able to reduce about by 50% what um, employers would otherwise pay. But what's really cool is he spoke about how over the past 11 years, they've changed their prices four times. They lowered Every them. Time, they've lowered them. Right. And then the other interesting thing he mentioned in our video is that in Georgia, a patient contacted them because he was quoted. So this is what patients can do. Ask for the price before you get care and ask for it to be all in, including your anesthesiologist, including all of your care providers. This patient found for a surgery, he was quoted $40,000 in Georgia. At the Surgical Center in Oklahoma, the price was 3600 mm -hmm. Instead of flying to Oklahoma, that patient went back to his Georgia provider and said, hey, this is where I can go and this is what I can get it for. Do you know that Georgia pr provider negotiated and brought the price down to match at 3600 well, from 40000 to 3600 It's not so surprising. This, is, this no. is what we can do. Is patients need to realize they can negotiate and they can have a voice. Well, not only that, Cynthia, but health care is not expensive. It really isn't expensive to, to take care of patients. And that's really where, where you know, we've come to the table trying to get that message across. It's the layers in between. It's the, it's the special interests. It's the regulatory burden. On, on physician practices. It is, it is all of the things that, that get in the way, and we're coming to a hard break, and we'll finish this in the next segment, but it's all of the, the regulatory burden that, that adds to the cost, and if you can get all of that away, 
healthcare is not expensive to deliver, and we've demonstrated that with the direct primary care model. So we're going to finish this, this conversation up, which I think is an excellent one in the last segment, so please stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction on America's Web Radio. Please join us at 4 p.m. on Tuesday afternoons. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're in the last segment of our show today with Cynthia Fisher in the Doctor's Lounge, and uh, we have really um, talked most of the hour on on uh, patient rights and price care transparency in healthcare, and price transparency in healthcare, and. Um, uh, and empowering patients with information. And, and that leads to really um, a, a, what we've been talking about and, and has come up several times in this conversation, Cynthia, which is um, surprise medical billing. And we, this is something that I believe as, as a physician who gives health care and as a consumer that receives health care, I feel strongly about about um, surprise medical billing and putting an end to this as well. And I think you and I have have this share the same um, desire and goal. And it's just the the tactics that we differ on. So so why don't you start and talk about what what uh, uh, you believe needs to happen to put an end to this uh, practice? Well, it all comes down to. Uh system-wide price transparency, how, um, you know, I, I find it quite interesting because, you know, we spoke earlier of the biggest opponents uh, that don't want this uh, uh, price transparency are the hospitals and the insurers and the pharmaceutical companies and the pharmacy benefit managers alike, right? And um, uh, their argument is that prices will go up if they see each other's prices, uh, they, they may collude or they may go up. But in fact, uh, one could argue they see each other's prices today because there's an American hospital directory which lists all of the hospitals and the average price variation uh, as a percentage of uh, Medicare. I agree. And right. So all, to be a member, you have to post and you have that information. So, you know, I find that what market what market can any of us name where consumers empowered with information that we haven't benefited from price reduction uh, and best quality? I, I think about going to the airport today, how uh, 
you know, I only had a choice before uh, either to drive and park or take a cab. And today, taking an Uber or a Lyft, I have reduced the cost of my price from my home to the airport by a third. It's a third less uh, 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 than what it, what it used to be. Um, and that's exciting because I, I now have more money in my pocket in traveling because I have choices. And um, that's what we're going to have in healthcare to address, you know, I, I also think of what better example than grocery or technology, right? Look at mainframe computers years ago. Gosh, when I was an IBM rep, it was millions and millions of dollars to have a big mainframe and an air-conditioned floor and software on top of it. And today, you and I carry around the power of that mainframe computer for a couple hundred, several hundred dollars on our, our, our smartphone. Absolutely. Right? We have all that power in our hands. This is what can happen with healthcare. And the consumers are used to seeing innovation and accessibility. And I think, I think we're in this really exciting revolutionary time. So now let's get to your question about surprise billing and how do we deal with it. Well, I just think once we have system-wide price transparency and we see bundled prices, so that colonoscopy, for example, what's it going to cost for a normal colonoscopy of a 50-year-old who gets her first colonoscopy bundled all in? Stand behind that price, right? What price can you as a hospital or as a surgical center charge that you know you're going to make a profit but that the consumer is going to be well-served? And any of those quote-unquote out-of-network fees that you would have today Make those doctors post those prices, and the hospital have to be, or the surgical center, be responsible for what that price is. And then, where you live in Georgia or where I live in Boston, I could shop, and I could say, I'm going to go to this quality doctor because they're all in going to charge me X. And uh, this price is what I can be assured of. That's what we're going to be able to see. And I think that just having system-wide price transparency for procedures that are common procedures and even uh, where, where we don't have common procedures, even where what, whatever the cost would be for um, uh, standard type of operations, seeing those prices and having them posted at the negotiated rates and at the cash prices will make all the difference. Then there will be no surprises and we'll have more competition. Oh, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with one thing that you said. And we, and we you know, that's, that's at step Z and we're at step A. So we need to get from A to Z. And what my concern is, is how, how, the, um, how do we get there? And what's being proposed right now to get there, and I think that there's a, bit, there's a giant appetite for support to end surprise medical billing. Nobody who has insurance wants to receive a bill for $8,000 like Wanda or, or like, your, like your handyman. Um, that's, I'm a consumer. I would hate to, to get a bill knowing that I'm fully insured and all of a sudden something that the anesthesiologist did was, was I was getting a bill for. The problem is that this problem was created by insurance companies and the proposed fix is also benefiting the insurance companies. It's basically saying that anybody who's out of network can go ahead and um, 
the insurance company will pay that doctor's bill. The patient is not is not responsible. The insurance companies will honor the rate that's the market rate in that community. The problem is that insurance companies are slimy, and they've they've they have. They have a history of of doing the wrong thing, and what they're going to do is they're going to further narrow their networks, kick doctors off, lower the 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 prices that they pay physicians to do the the work that the 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 the, the reimbursement that physicians wouldn't accept in the first place because the insurance companies tried to pay them a very low fee. And now, all of a sudden, thanks to the power of the government, um, compelling physicians to give that care at whatever rate the insurance companies want to pay is is the wrong approach. And I think that there are two competing bills right now in Congress to fix this problem, and we all agree it needs to be fixed. One of them gives the insurance companies 100% control without any kind of dispute resolution to the physicians. And that's the the bill that's being proposed by Lamar Alexander and Patty Murray. And then there's the competing bill that's being proposed by Bill Cassidy, who is a physician and who understands what is at stake if this happens the way that Lamar Alexander's bill is structured. And I think that that this train has left the station. We are going to see an end to surprise medical billing because there's an appetite for it, and I think that we all agree it needs to go away. But I think that how we get there, which is the tactics, is really what's important. Well, Hal, you know, there is, looking at the claims data, uh, and a recent economist, uh, Larry Van Horn out of Vanderbilt, looked at 60% of our nation's claims data and found that there's meaningful price variation across uh, regions uh, within pricing. And there's an average of 446% price variation for like services. That's huge. Mm -hmm. Um, So even looking at uh, the insurance answer, and and I agree with you, you know, I think the incentive systems are uh, totally upside down. And um, to address these huge price variations in the negotiating rates differentiation, uh, we're at a time where having that be posted, having uh, those the docs that aren't in the, those narrow networks, first you have to understand, say, why are networks so narrow, right? Why, why has this happened? Okay. Uh, why, why isn't there broad uh, coverage? But to be able to have the physician practices post their prices. What are what is your price? What is the market? And so that the consumer can see what is that price variation, and uh, uh, be able to have that posted. And we are at a time where you know insurance executives, you know, they have two political agendas. Uh, they have a me- Medicare for all agenda, and they have an agenda tr- to transform through a competitive marketplace. So I think, you know, we're at an opportune time for a reinvention of the insurance model. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the, what I would love to see is just getting rid of the, the um, first dollar out payment, um, which is what we have, and a return to what insurance was pre-1964, where there would be a schedule of benefits that the insurance company would pay for. And the 
the the real um, transaction isn't between the insurance company and a physician, but between a patient and a physician. And the patients control the the dollars, not the insurance companies. And and relegate insurance back to where it used to be, which is a hedge against a um, a medical bankruptcy, like you've like you've uh, um, brought to our attention earlier in the show. Well, Hal, you know, you're absolutely right there because cash prices as a whole, if you look at direct cash prices, they're 39% cheaper Mm -hmm. than those paid for by a third-party payer. And, you know, taking a look at that, we live in a digital world today. Think about it. If we could see the prices on our smartphones, and readily search for it, which is what the administration is looking to deliver. Right. And then get our price at what's the cash price? And what is that price, even at a negotiated rate as we go through this transition? Then, too, the, the um, explanation of benefit for the insurance model today, what your copay, what your deductible is, that's all digital. That's determined well in advance. That can all be delivered to our smartphone. Right. And then the advantage to the doctors and to the hospital systems alike is payment. Payment can also be digital. If I can get out of a cab in Washington and have the payment go immediately to the receipt on my smartphone, on my text message, you can be darn sure it can be done in healthcare. And doctors and the hospitals are getting paid sooner, but also patients being able to benefit from reduced costs through all those savings. We can see really transformative um, delivery of healthcare uh, to the digital world. I, I totally agree. And, and we're at the end right now of our show. So, Cynthia, why don't you tell people how they can get involved and, and, uh, and, and go ahead and uh, plug your, your website once again? Yes, it's patientrightsadvocate.org, and I'd say that patients can go there and see um, the patient stories from around the country, and what we are adding now is uh, the stories like Dr. Keith Smith's and stories like your centers as well that are innovatively reducing the costs of care through transparency, and soon to be added will be stories of employers around the country that have been able to lock in relationships with price transparent uh, centers, hospitals, surgical centers, and direct primary care, uh, and how they've reduced the care. Okay. But we also would say patients go negotiate, ask for the price, get that commitment uh, before you get your care, and if they can't cool. give it to you, press the issue. Great. And that- if you have erroneous bills, negotiate. That's that's great advice. You're doing great work, Cynthia, and we appreciate you being on the show today. Cynthia, stay on the line if you would, and thanks for being in the doctor's lounge, and uh, come back next week with Dr. Mike. Okay. Thank you, Hal, for this opportunity. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.